You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Peter Gallo. Peter, thanks so much for being with me today. Well, thank you for having me, Brainerd. Peter, let's talk about your show um, at Sean Horton that was uh, up this summer um, in June called Blood and Flowers. I mean, maybe we should start with a title. I, I saw the show and it was really kind of um, beautiful and, and, and to me poetic and fascinating in, in terms of not just the content, but also the variety of materials. So uh, to begin with, yeah, the title, Blood and Flowers. Why that title? Well, you know, it's a title that um, Sean Horton and I kind of came up with. Whenever we're putting together a show together or doing a project, um, we often approach it as though we're coming up with like a an album or something, um, and that it, I, you know I looked around my studio and I was we were shooting images back and forth and and um, there's a lot of flowers around there's a lot of I I have a big garden in front of my house and just outside of the studio and and a lot of the work that I've been doing over the years. I was dealing with you know, sort of a, this theme of blood um, has been in my work ever since oh, the 1980s when I was um, doing a lot of work in reaction to the to the AIDS epidemic. Um, so it's sort of stuck with me, and and um, that's kind of where the title came from. Uh, but it's it's like a nice you know kind of like a title of a nice song or or cover for an album or something like that. You know, it's also got something maybe like a, you know like something out of Paul Ceylon or something like that. Who's somebody I read all the time. Um, in fact, I may find it in him at some point that I actually stole it from him. But um, so so that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 that's fair enough to steal from Paul Ceylon. <laughs> that's not uncommon. And certainly an amazing writer. And um, and where where is your studio? Where is this beautiful garden? Well, I'm up in northern Vermont. I'm I'm north. In fact, not too far from the Quebec border, uh, in a little village called Hyde Park. And uh, it's in. Um, it's about I don't know maybe an hour and a half from Montreal. Uh, as the crow flies even closer, but uh, it's northwestern Vermont. It's old, old dairy uh, farm farmland, and it's very beautiful. And uh, the little village that I live in is the Shire Town, so it's kind of like the little hub for the for the county, where uh, the county seat is here. And I have a an old storefront um, that I've been living in. Uh, that I bought with my partner at the time back in 1990 or something. I've been living here. In 1985, I actually moved into this space, so used it as a studio. And uh, and I've been here, pretty much based here, since like 1985 or 86. Yeah, so. Um, and that's, that's great to hear. You know, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of artists that are outside the city often don't, you know, harder to find, like... Uh, a venue in the city, and and uh, you know, Sean Horton is a is a great gallery, so that's uh, that's easy to maintain that kind of distance, living outside the city, exhibiting in the city. Well, it suits me. It's it's perfect for me. I I don't I don't want if any more than that would be would perhaps disrupt my my process and my my work and my life in a way that would just. Be non-productive, but Sean. I met Sean back when he was 
he was just out of graduate school. He, he was at the uh, Boston Museum School of Fine Arts. And I had had a show in New York. Matthew Higgs gave me my first show in New York, my first real show, a great show. Matthew's great. And uh, I showed with Wendy Cooper in Chicago, and that was like 2004. Yeah, in 2004, fall of 2003 or four, somewhere in there. And, um, and then I met Sean. Sean was working for Nick Lawrence, who ran Volume Gallery in New York. Um, and then I sort of joined, and Sean went to work with, uh, with um, Nick as his director. And, uh, and I, went, I, I had a show with Nick Lawrence at Freight and Volume. In fact, I was the first show at Freight and Volume when they opened in the f- November of 2005, I think it was, or four, somewhere. In, I can't remember. It's quite a while ago now. But I was in my 40s. I haven't, you know. But before that, I have to say, I did work with um, a really interesting kind of maverick, um, old Lower East Side um, gallerist by the name of Margaret Bodell. And Margaret was kind of a, oh, I don't know. She had this, she had this gallery where she showed a lot of, um, self-taught, so-called self-taught artists, uh, people like Melvin Way and, and so forth. And I was working with the Grassroots Arts and Community Efforts Project here in Northeast Kingdom, um, which was working with self-taught artists. Uh, and we did work with her, and I showed with her. I organized a couple of shows with her gallery. So that was way back in the 19, early 90s early to mid-90s, somewhere in there that I showed with her. So, you know, I've been sort of floating around <laughs> as a kind of a, you know, from, from this outpost for quite a long time. Um, so, Well, yeah. it's good to hear, yeah, because it must be beautiful up there. So, so to get into the show, that was the, Ed Sean Horton, um, Blood and Flowers. Let's go through some of these works. Uh, I, I know you spent, you spent, a lot of time on these. There was there was one that, I mean, a number of them really struck me. I I really love this show. There's one called All Tomorrow's Crucifixions, and it was um, a collage, really, right? This was um, right. It looks like a, a couple panels of a, of a cabinet or a door or a closet, and and filled with with images. Uh, let's talk yeah. about that a little bit because that, that that that's yeah. quite a bit different. You know, it doesn't look like blood yeah, or yeah. flowers. But of course, crucifixions are, are bloody. Um, yeah, yeah. They were, that piece was um, in the. I, I worked well. To, to make a long story short, I, I spent 25 years as a social worker here in Northern Vermont, and then uh, went back in my 40s to get a PhD in art history up in Montreal. So now I teach part time. I teach art history part time, and those images that I used in that in that. Uh, the collage onto that panel, those door panels, which actually were retrieved from a, an abandoned doctor's office. I have the whole closet here I'm still working on. But, um, and I just, I had all these, these screen images, these screen prints from, I teach your course in the Renaissance. So I have, over the years, I just kept collecting all of these, you know, crucifixion images. And I, I said, you know, I'm going to do something with these. And I just started sort of gluing them onto that, to that door and uh that's kind of how the work got sort of and i worked on it for quite a number quite a number of years over time and just kept you know pinning them up kind of like a little uh one of the art historians that i really um 
I really get a lot of ideas from and I love to teach is Abby Warburg. And, uh, you know, he had this idea, he created this thing called the Nemocene Atlas where he started, you know, in the 20s putting together all these images on these storyboards, you know, like he was really a genius. Um, and in, invented this whole semiotic way of trying to understand art. He talked about this thing called pathos formal. You know, like there are these forms that carry these meanings. So that's the kind of things that I ruminate on whenever I'm putting, you know, I let the resonances of the images work, and that's kind of what I did with these. And, of course, I inverted all of the crucifixes too, right? Right, that's what I was going to ask about. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're working on this, but intentionally, yeah, they're, they're, they're all upside down. Yeah, yeah, like they're falling. And, um yeah, so it was kind of like, you know, I mean, I guess I didn't think of this, but then I was looking at like the, you know, one of the, 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 the Michelangelo's, um, ch- you know, chapel that he did of the crucifixion of St. Peter. And of course, St. Peter was crucified upside down. Um, I get, you know, I was raised a Catholic. I went to Catholic schools. I, you know, I, 12 years of high school, post-Vatican II, I had great sisters of St. Joseph. I guess all of that stuff just really... It's it's it has stuck to me on some very profound level, but um, so I, I and then the, of course the title comes from the Altimore's crucifixion, Altimore's parties, which is you know uh, Nico Nico singing Altimore's parties, you know. Anyway, so I, I like to. Play around with well, it, it it also does feel like it's it's almost. I mean, unlike a lot of the rest of the works in in the show, which feels like, you know, they stand alone. They're 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 you know an artwork that you can hang. Um, mm-hmm. All tomorrow's crucifixions feels almost like it was ripped out of the artist's studio. You know, it almost looks like something you'd expect to see in someone's home um, that that isn't art because the bottom of it is empty. It, it, it almost has an unfinished look to it and, yeah. and their doors, you know, they don't, they, they, they don't have the kind of framework that the rest have, whether the rest are done on cardboard or wood or, or other materials. This one feels, feels different. It feels like, um, if, if I was in your home, I might see this on a wall and it wouldn't be, uh, an artwork you're working on, it would be something more obsessive, you know, the way, the way people, I don't know, put up images of, of, uh, of, of women or men or icons or, or something like that, almost like obsessively around your, your, yeah, like your a bed or something. Kind of piece. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, I can see that. There, I've got a lot of work like that around in my studio. So, um, and I was very glad that Sean decided to show that. I liked how it was hung too. It was sort of hung separate from, from everything else. It had its own little place. So, yeah, it's true. right. It was, it was in the front room. So there's there's yeah. a, another one I'd like to talk about. I mean, I mean, several of them really. But um, blossoms in my belly, which which I imagine touches on a number of things, but also um, this 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 small work, which I, I think is um, on board and paint and linen and staples and cutting and um it's a it's a small work 22 by 14 and the dates say it was 10 years in the making right 2012 to Mm -hmm. 2022 so i'd like to ask a little bit about that process it it uh what was happening for 10 years or how do you work on an image for 10 years and in a sense it looks small and doesn't 
look like heavily worked or or that there's a decade in there but how does that happen and and yeah let's talk about that yeah, it's a good question you know sean sean horton always says how, how many works have you got in purgatory right now i sort of i i do keep a lot of work around and and um i've had that little piece of wood it's an old cutting board uh that i got i think at a flea market somewhere or i found it somewhere um and i started painting on it in fact if there's there's i don't know there's probably 10 paintings under there that that built up that surface um and if I feel something is not working, because stuff gets, re- I get to the point where I hate these things sometimes, and I have to put them away, but I don't want to destroy them, you know? I, and I'm not this kind of artist, like, you know, I sometimes, like my friend Chris Martin, he can, like, get, you know, stretch all kinds of canvases and bang them out, and, uh, you know, that's a process, that's one way of doing it. You'll get, a, you'll get some good stuff out of that. I prefer to just keep working on something for a long time. And uh, and sometimes you know you pull something out of out of a closet that's been hiding there for a year or so, and you see it again, and it's like bang, you know what you need to do to it, or it presents itself in a new way. And I and I like working that way. Um, in fact, you know, like some of the quirky American modernists that I like to look at, people like Ivan Albright. You know, I've been looking at him lately, and you know, he's like spent all these years sort of you know, even painting some of his paintings with pins, you know, like, and they would, he'd put them away and then pull them out. But somebody like Fautrier, you know, like, uh, or um, Eugene Leroy, you know, the, I, I believe he was a Swiss painter who, you know, he'd work on those things and those surfaces would get built up, not just for the sake of creating a kind of an urgent effect, but, you know, forms have to kind of like emerge over time and slowly. So it takes a lot of time. And, um, yeah, I, I think an artist like Paul Tech also did a little bit of them. Paul you know, Tech, his yes, work. Paul Tech. I love Paul Tech. He's one of my favorite. Me artists. too. <laughs> yeah, he's one of my favorite. Oh, Paul Tech is just, and Paul Tech was another one who, like, you know, um, he was also raised Catholic. He was also queer. You know, he had a, he was really interesting, um, and he he worked with ephemeral material too. You know, I mean, all those beautiful drawings that he did on newspaper. Um, and then the work that he spent on, you know, the, the so-called dead hippie self-portrait, that fabulous piece that, you know, with the photograph by Peter Hujar of him working on it, that, that piece is gone. You know, he didn't even bother to retrieve it when it came back from an exhibition in Germany. But, you know, that whole way of working is really something that really appeals to me. It's just the way I work. I can't work any other way, you know. Um, Mm-hmm. And so I, I, th- I think I think the dead hippie. I mean, just, it's an aside, but the the dead hippie still exists. Does it? I thought it was lost. I thought he never picked it up. But I, th- I thought it was shipped out to the, you know, the Hall de Kunst somewhere. In, in, no, actually, never... it's in it's in um, Yale. The Yale Gallery in New Haven has it, and uh, the contemporary floor. And it was one of the, um, you know, it's, I mean, it's a great piece. I also love Paul Tech, and I, I used to, uh, as a small son, and I used to give him and his friends kind of tours of the of the art oh, gallery there to kind I'm of talk to, to art about them, and that was one of my favorite pieces to say, take a look at this. What's going on here? Yeah. You know? oh, he's, Is he sleeping? He's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then those weird things that he did with, you know, the meat, the simula- you know, those reliquary-type things where those plexiglass and meat, I mean, it anticipates so much of, 
of what's being done now. You know, there's so many artists today, painters and, you know, uh, sculpting, working that kind of aesthetic now or whatever that is that, that's, that he was <laughs> witness to as it was taking shape. No, he's wonderful. I love Paul Tang. I'm glad you brought him up. <laughs> Yeah. And so, and so to 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 go into you know your your other works there. I mean, we were mm-hmm. just talking about a specific work, um, uh, the the one Idiotin in autos, uh, which was a, kind of a tough piece to photograph, but but was also fascinating to me. That has kind of a shoe on the bottom, and then this almost right. uh, totem totem pole. Um, right. Yeah. That one has been kicking, kicking, no pun intended, but that's been kicking around the studio for a long time. <laughs> and um, the, I, you know, um, the idiotum, and that's the, you know, there's a YouTube station that I sometimes watch. It's ridiculous. It's idiots in cars, you know. And, um, and I found the German version of it, and I thought, that's a great title for this piece I'm working on. And then, you know, the foot, but the red, you know, um, I'm just going to be a little bit. This is how, how I work and how I think, and but but you know I'm I'm re- another artist that I'm very very much like really obsessed with is Kazimir Malevich, and and you know the the quadrilateral painting, the red quadrilateral. You know, like I don't know what it is about that, but red. You know, it 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 has its own kind of its own life. You know, and I started working on that piece and. And I thought, you know, this thing is just like getting covered with all of this Malevich or something. He's he's always in my studio, or the, 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 that form is. And I started working with that. That was a, you know, that was a piece that I I don't know. I have a hard time talking about it. But I'm, I, we hung it so you could see both sides because I had it hanging on the wall for a while, and then I had it in the middle of my studio, and I started working on both sides. And I thought, you know. And I have a number of paintings now that I'm working on both sides. So, <laughs> and so anyway, that's how because this is this is sculptural, of course, and and we see both sides, and it, and it also seems right. to be almost, um, I mean, not quite narrative, but that, that that's how it struck me when I saw it. That like a totem pole, there's different mm-hmm. there's different stories that are that are perhaps adding up here. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm reading that into it, but it's... it's. Um... No, no, you're absolutely... I mean, and, you know, I, I, the, when I make these things, it, you know, it's, you know, it's up to the viewer to bring... Hopefully there are resonances there that allow this kind of meaning production. It's not, you know, I, you know so it makes, it makes complete sense, yeah, yeah. We could go through, you know, I could almost go through all the works in the show if it if it weren't for a time constraint here. Is there a work that you want to talk about um, in, in in this show in particular that that you really loved? There was um, because there's I, I'm really so interested in in all of them. But is there something that we should talk about a little bit that was a favorite of yours from the show? It's funny. I have a hard time because you know when they leave the studio and um, the show did pretty well, you know, the, the work is all going off and, and it's, um, I don't know. I always have a f- kind of a, I just feel kind of empty that those things are gone. I can't, I can't work my energy out on them now anymore. Cause if it, sometimes if work comes back, I continue working on it, you know? Um, but uh, you know, I, I kind of, I think, I don't know. I don't really have much to say about it. There was one piece that I am going to miss that I hadn't shown, uh, which was the inverted chair piece that had, you know called Heaven. It had a blue, 
Yeah, I, I noticed that on the website, right, that was not in the exhibit, the in, inverted chair, which is a chair, it looks like a fix to the wall, and it's, and it's upside down. Yeah, actually, it was, in the, it was in the show. It was kind of hung in a corner. Uh, it was, as you went into the gallery, it was sort of uh, on that brick wall, that first-facing brick wall. It's kind of up in a corner. That's kind oh, of yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, that piece I'm going to admit, that's another one that I worked on for a long time. Uh, you know, and another thing is, like, I, I really have a thing with paint. I like really good paint. And I, I, there's a wonderful paint shop in New York that I always go to. It's the, the people at Vasari. They make certain colors that I buy from them. And, of course, Williamsburg is just wonderful paint. And, um, you know, European paints that I can get when I get. So, you know, it's like it's as much about that kind of materiality as it is, you know, the materials kind of guide me through all of this, too. Anyway, I don't know. So let's talk about that chair a little bit more. The Heaven. Yeah. Which is from Heaven. this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, upside down, the, 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 the seat is painted. Um, yeah, something, you know, kind of really lovely about that. Because, of course, you're looking up at the seat, and um, and it's not possible to access, which, which sort of seems, I mean, in terms of a seat, uh why, why do you love that so much, the particular work? Well, it's part of, you know, the thing is, that I, it's hard to see this just from this little show, but I, you could really organize my, my work themes, um, you know, in terms of, in terms of like, almost like these, what, these pre-Socratic categories of fire and earth and, you know, air and stuff. And I've done a lot of paint, heaven paintings, and, and they're very often done on chairs like that. Um, but there was something about that one for me whenever I looked at it. It was just like I kind of made it for myself as <laughs> sort of, um, I don't know, it kind of gave me, it, gave, it put, put me in a certain, uh, certain kind of nice place. And I, I just felt like, you know, I'm going to miss you. It's good you're going to where you're going. But um, I don't know. That's it, it's kind of, it's kind of a lame reason why. I want to talk about it. Well, it's, no, it's, 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 it's I mean, you're, you're talking, you're talking about the connection with all of these. This is difficult yeah. to let them go. It's difficult to see them go into yeah. other homes, right? Because as you're saying, part of your process is to work on them continually in, in some cases. So they'd come yeah, back. It becomes and, almost like there's sort of attachment process that I'm working out on them. A lot of them, you know, and uh, so it's, you know, there's a lot of energy that's put in them, but it's also a great feeling to get to know that they're out there doing, doing things, you know. Um, I got a lot of response from the show, which was really very nice, and from people that I really respect, you know, artists that I really respect, but also people, complete strangers, which was really kind of cool. I, I felt like, you know, that's good. This is what, the, you know, those are the true validators of, of my work. It's, it's really hearing from people that just send me a a, a message on Instagram. I even got a handwritten letter from somebody out in California who saw the James Calm report, you know, and it's, um, I guess, you know, the work has got to do its work too. You know, it's got to be out there in the world. And um, so it's good too. Anyway. And that's good to hear. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what the work should do in moving into the world. That's, that's uh, yeah. That's kind of nice to hear and hopeful. I, I, I want to ask you one more question. Um, yeah. The last question, which is, what are you reading at the moment? Oh, God, my studio is just full of books, and I read all the time. And I usually have a lot of books going at the same time. Um, 
but I am I, I've got a copy here of uh Guy Hockingham's Huck, 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 Gay Liberation after May sixty eight, which is really a classic of kind of like nineteen sixties proto queer theory. Um that I'm really pouring over right now. It's a really um it's really beautiful and sort of vitalizing text. Um the other thing I'm reading is the the last lectures of Jacques Derrida, which are the, the Beast and the Sovereign, volumes one and two, and it's all about you know an, animality. Uh, you know the, the, the how we construct the animal and how badly we treat the animal, really, ultimately. But it's a really interesting. It's a beautiful book. I'm kind of getting some ideas from it. Um, mm. I got a few other things too that I'm kind of pouring over here too uh, philosophy of madness which is a new book um that just came out a beautiful big um uh tome that i'm trying to get through um yeah a bunch of books <laughs> and there's the thing well, I, I always read paul ceylon i always go back to holderlein uh, German romantic novalis. I always like to read those guys. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm reading. Peter, thanks so much for talking with me. I really appreciate your your work. Oh, and your thanks time. for reaching thanks out. So much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I really, I really enjoyed this. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs> 